Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. So last week, I'm going to go ahead and read it um, in my notes. It won't be on the screen because I didn't know uh, that I would want to do it this way, but I'm going to open up by reading the, the scripture from last week, eight, eight verses, and then we'll jump in uh, to this week, but it helps give you some context uh, for those of you that, that weren't here. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For just as the body is one, everybody say one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are what? One body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, everybody say one. One spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, uh, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged. Who arranged? God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member or a single part, where would the body be? That's so key. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We go on this week. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, there, there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. The, that more excellent way is usually what you end up seeing when you go to a wedding. When you go to a wedding, you find the pastor will pull a, a, a verse or somebody will do a reading. And almost always at most weddings that you're going to come across in the Christian world, you're going to receive a passage of 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. And on and on and on. And so we're told this is what love is. 
But out of context, you, you might not realize that that, that that whole passage is talking about actually a gift. The gift. It's talking at the beginning in, verse, in, in, in chapter 12 and in 14, you have a discussion about the gifts that God gives to us as the church. And, and at the end of chapter 12, he says, hey, I'm going to tell you about the most important gift. The most important gift you could seek is not to be an apostle or prophet or teacher or, or have a position. That's not the most important thing you can be after. You, you shouldn't chase after these positions and titles and ranks where your part of the body matters more than the other part of the body. That shouldn't be your, your gift that you're seeking. So many people chase after, I want to I be talented enough to be seen and to be known. And I, I want to be a, a great expositor. I want to be a great teacher. I want to be a great musician. I want to be... But he said, you know, we should be seeking after the greater gift. And that greater gift is all of chapter 13. It's all about love. But in the meantime, he's saying, you know, there's some lessons. There's some, some worldviews that have to shift here. For you and for I to be able to grow properly in the body of Christ with the headship of Jesus Christ and the body, all of us here, his hands and his feet. For us to be able to grow into that, there's some mind shift that has to happen. There's a, there's a value system that has to change. That value system is in how we look at each other. How we see and lock eyes with people around us. That value system, my friends, especially in our Western world, is so jacked up in comparison to the Scriptures. So jacked up in comparison to the kingdom of God. And what we've got to do is say, wow, God, I, I don't need the Scriptures to conform to the kingdom of earth. I, I, I need to conform. I need to be a part of forming, conforming into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And where it is, he tells us a few things. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. We are called to be more than a team. Or even more than a family. We are called to be one body. One body. I, I think the church at large, man, we're missing this. At best, we, we do a decent job. If we're doing a decent job, we've got a church culture that says, you know what, we're all on one team, guys. We're all on one team. You, you, you block and, 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 and you kick and you're going to throw and you're going to run and ready, huddle, break. And everybody goes after their own stat line. Or even a family. We go, well, certainly a family is a great way to view the church, right, Pastor? I mean, come on, what could be wrong with that? Do any of you have family? <laughs> Once you turn 18, most, in most families, not all, but in most many families, the individual starts to take over. The idea becomes, hey, I, I need to separate. I've told my, my children this. I said, look, I know how this is going to work. It just, it, it is what it is. And uh, I, I said, look, early on, you're kind of born and you just need, 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 clingy, 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 mostly to, 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 to mom early on. And then it's like, hey, I need, um, I need that, that family unit, that protection. So we cling, cling, cling. And then as we start to get a little bit older, right around where, where my kids happen to be right now, 
In, in, in these teen years, there has to be some identifier changes. No longer can my identity be wrapped up in, in them and what they do and what they're about. Now I've got to create kind of my own space. And in a lot of families, this causes some conflict because if parents aren't ready and they're, they're not aware, what happens is they start to view every, every push, every pull, every tug as, as some kind of just complete lack of, of respect and, and obedience. And I'm not saying it never is, but, but some of it is just identity. Some of it is just like, I'm not you. I need to be me. Will you let me be me? And then what happens, depending on how you navigate those years, parents, depending on what happens is when they get a choice to call you, when they get a choice to come around, when they get a choice, I told my children, I said, my, my, I'm not your friend, I'm your, your parent, but I pray that I love you so well that when you have the choice to come home, you do. When you have the choice to call, you do. When you have the choice to swing by and have dinner, you will. And so there's that balance that happens. But what happens in our family unit, our family unit is my sisters are not like me. We have different things. We have different experiences. We have different passions. And that's okay. But the thing is, they go off and the Bible says leave and cleave. They, they go off and they form their own family units. And so even the family is not the, the, the perfect image of what God wants us to be thinking about when we think about the church, when we think about the body of Christ. And when I say church, by the way, don't interchange, captivate. I want you to think about the universal church, the body of Christ, all of us. And so he says, no, I want you to be one body. I don't want you to just be a team. I don't want you to just be a family unit that can kind of separate and go do your own thing. I want you to be one body. So much so that he says, when one hurts, we all hurt. The body of Christ is intentionally interdependent. The body of Christ is intentionally designed to be interdependent. Well, that's certainly the way our world works, right? Right? Like we're just constantly taught. You know, you know what you got to do? You got to really, you got to, you got to really be connected. You got to really care about the other person. You got to really, no. The, the world teaches us like, no, independence is like royalty. You control your own future. You're the one that drives the ship. You make the call. You don't like what they like. You tell them where to go. And so this, this, this vast search for independence really rips us away from the culture of what it means to be a Christ follower, to participate in the body of Christ. And so we're intentionally interdependent. We're, we're, we're more like God when we're connected. We represent Him better to the world. You see, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit completely connected all one. And in a church of independence, in a church of independence, you find people that come and they consume and they say, what do I get out of this whole thing? When we meet, I want to know what I'm going to get. If I'm going to spend an hour there, what am I getting? And that's a culture and a mindset of independence. And then when it's serving, it's like, well, I just, I'm, only gonna, I'm only gonna serve in areas where like I, I get my talent exposed. I mean, people need to know me. Do they not know who I am? And so I need, I need to have uh, recognition, and I need to have a, a title, and I need people to know that I did. Did you know how, how long I served today? Even when people, you can ruin your service, by the way, especially to me. I'll love you anyway, but I'll judge you internally. But like you, you can ruin your, your own service when you like care, 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 and you give a lot of time. And then the moment when somebody's just like, wow, that person has a great heart for the Lord and his work. But then before they get a chance to affirm that or encourage that in you, you go, yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody was there. I mean, I was the only one, and I did it all by myself, and 
I mean, I just, I just don't know who, who's closer to Jesus, me or them. And you just like, you hogged all the glory that was meant for the Lord. And it reveals that, that, that even in our service, we can be independent. Think about global conflicts. Everybody wants their own. I want my way. Think about political conflicts in our country. Don't think long. Um, family. Family. The conflicts that we can have in our family. It all stems from this idea of me, me, me. Think about in marriage. In the book of James, the scripture says that you know what causes fights and quarrels among you? You reach are after your own way. You can't get your own way, so you fight and you quarrel and you get jealous. Think about your own internal fights, your own internal soft, uh, self-talk. A lot of that comes from the idea of like, I need to be better. I need to win. I need to succeed. I need to be where my parents were at this age. I need to be where my friends are at this age. And I, I've got to drive, drive, drive. And so your mentality is all about I, 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 I. And independence begins to crush you. We go on, verse 22, on the contrary, so on the opposite, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think have less or less honorable, um, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God, everybody say, but God. But God has, that was a weak but God. But God, much better. But God has so composed the body. Here's how he did it. Giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And that there may be no division in the body. How much division? No division. That's the goal. But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I want you to write this down today. We value everyone because everyone adds value. The shift that has to happen in part for us is that we no longer make determinations on who we're going to value when they walk through the door. We no longer make determinations based on saying, well, you're not a very significant contribution to my personal life. I, um, <laughs> either my greatest moment or one of my worst moments as a pastor, it all happened in the same incident, and I'm not really sure. But um, I had somebody tell me that um, they were thinking about leaving the church because the church didn't provide good soil for their new relationship. I said, we will never, ever prostitute the church of Jesus Christ for your relationship with a girlfriend. And like I said, I, I didn't say it that calmly, and it might have been my worst moment, but it could have been my best, who knows. But here's the thing. Many of us, we think this stuff. We think that the church of the living God, we think that the church of Jesus Christ, we think of celebrating and worshiping a risen king is supposed to be for the benefit of other things. 
And, and our view has to shift to say, no, 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 all these other things are supposed to be for Jesus. We don't bow down to any logo or, or, or name or a preacher or a band. We don't do that, but we do bow down to Jesus and we do make the things of Jesus important and we lift those up and we make sure that that's priority. But a lot of people, we come and we go from church and what we're doing, guys, is we, see, we inadvertently are being used by the enemy because we're saying, no, 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 this church needs to help this thing in me. And so what we're saying is that these things are really the areas where we worship. And the scripture says, you know what? No, you don't value people around you from what you can get from them. You don't value the people down the aisle based on what they can give you. You, you don't sit there and say, well, well I, I, I really want to be around that person because, man, they're so gifted in music or they're so gifted in tech or they're so gifted in communication. Or, man, that person, man, they make the best brownies. I'm signing up for their growth group. We've got to watch it and say, you know what? No, no, no. Our value of people has to change. We should value everyone because everyone adds value. And you might say this. I, can, I was hearing when I was writing the message, I was like, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that just this goes way behind because they're going to say, Pastor, I don't devalue anyone. They're going to say that. I, I don't de Maybe you think that. I don't devalue anyone. I value everybody. Isn't that quaint? Right? Like, we, we like to believe that. But let me ask you this. If your, your favorite musician, artist, one of your best friends, if they were to walk in to a service, would you be joyful that they were here? Would you honor them? Would you, would, you, would you go and make sure that they're doing okay? Would you see to it that they got a seat? Would you be sure they didn't have confusion getting up here from the, the parking garage? Like, would, would you do things a little different if you're just like, wow, that, that's somebody I really admire? Let me back it up because maybe that's a little stretch. You might go, oh, come on, that's a big... I got a question. If, if we value, and this could be for every church in America, but if we, if we value people for just who they are, not for what they do, if we valued people that way, would we know their name? Would we know their name? Would we, would we at least, maybe if they're together, married, would, would we at least recognize the family unit that they invest their lives in? Like, would, would we at least say, you go with you? I, I've come to know that. Like, I care about you enough to at least know kind of who your partner is. Or if we say we fully value people, do we treat church like a Ravens game? Or the Orioles where we, well, there's more people here than at the Orioles game, but the, the Ravens. Let's go with the Ravens. Let's go with the Ravens. So, no, or what we just treat like where we come in. Because you can go to a Ravens game and just have one friend you go with, right? And you can have a blast. You could go and you could just be like, man, I was a part. And there were, there were 80,000 people and they were all screaming. And there were some weird people wearing camo pants that were purple. Don't understand it, but they were there too. And, and man, we were just screaming. And every time it was fourth down, we had a cheer. And, da, 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 da. and you say, I had a great time. And we all cheered for the same thing. But if I say, hey, do you care? Would you be able to say that you knew the names of the people on your aisle? No. And you would look at me and you would go, why would I need to? 
They're obviously in purple. We're obviously cheering in the same direction. I don't care about their name. Not just here, but everywhere. How many of us genuinely value the human soul the way that Jesus does? Not about anything else. And it's no longer acceptable for me to just come and to watch and to cheer for the same show. But I'm told that I'm a part of a body in here. I'm not not just a part of a team. I'm not just a part of a family where we just divide after this and go have lunch separate places. No, no, no. That's the body. Phrase it this way. Think about for yourself how much you would value being valued that way. I'm sick. I'm hurting. And I've got several people from my growth group that are on it. How are you doing? What do you need? Value. Wouldn't we want that? We want to receive that, right? Everybody say, right. Right, yeah, you do. You do. You want that kind of love. But where the gut check is for all of us, all across the the globe in Christ's body, is we all want to receive that level of love and care and value. Are we willing to put the work in to give it? And so the scripture says, the eye can... The scripture says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts that are weaker, we add value. We value everyone because everyone adds value. Everyone adds value. Here's the deal. Uh, All of us are different. I, um, I, as you know, I took up fishing this week and I had, or this week, this, this summer. Pete and I had a conversation. This is Pete doing the work that I meant to go do at his house, but I ended up um, being a runner for the supplies he needed. This is my little, this is my little boat, and it, it's been a little fun, but I decided I want to paint it, and so I went up to Pete's house, and I was like, hey, Pete, I, I've, I've got this project and all, and he just kind of gave me this, like, knowing smile, like, I love you, and I love you too much to let you hurt yourself, so he was like, go ahead, bring it up, man, and I was like, no, we, I think I could probably do a sprayer thing at my house, and he was like, no, 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 you can just bring it to my house. I was like, okay, cool. Pete and I had a, a really good talk this week just about value. And he, I said, Pete, I was telling him, I was like, Pete, I was like, honestly, man, I'm so thankful. Um, I was like, I'm gonna, I want to find a way to be a blessing to you and stuff. And, and uh, he's like, no, don't worry about it. I love you and we're, we're good. He didn't say I love you, but it sounded good for the story. <laughs> but, but at the end of it, um, and then he turns to me and he goes, he goes, because I was telling him, I was like, Pete, I was like, I'm, I'm an idiot, you know, with tools. Actually, the way it was is I was telling him, I was like, Pete, you're a pretty good apprentice. Like, you're, you're, you're pretty good at penis. If you stick with this, you might be able to do something. And uh, anyway, I was, I was encouraging him, and he turned around to me, and he goes, Pastor, he goes, here's the deal. He said, uh, he said, I value what you do. And he said that I can't get up and speak in front of a group. And he said, and I was just joking. I was like, ha, ha, ha. And he goes, no, you have me on production. He goes, have you ever seen me run a sound check? He said, if there's anybody else in the room, I'll get up close to the speaker, one, two, three, and then I'll run back to the board. 
And he was like, so seriously, I, I, I value you. You see, we, we need to not put our values based on our own measurements of what is good or strong or better. We just need to say, I value you as a human. I value you as a human. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Everybody say end. End. What that means is you're the body, so there's your, your value. You need to live up to that. And you have individual needs, hurts, feelings, wants, desires, dreams as well. You've got to balance those in Christ. And God has appointed the church, first prof, uh, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing. Are all apostles, are all prophets, all teachers, do all do this? No, no, no but eagerly desire the higher gifts, and I'll show you a more excellent way. I'm going to clue you in. You know what the most excellent way to live is? It's not based on judging people as they come in. Not going to be on your sin issues. Not going to be on your socioeconomics. Not going to be on your skin tone. Not going to be on the color or the type of clothes you're wearing. You know what the best way, the best way to be, to be Jesus representative on this earth you know the highest gift you can ask God to give you love here's the love definition I want you to take this week love valuing people for who they are and not for what they do value people for who they are not what they do whether what they do is for you or for the church if you're writing it out as a simple expression, you would just do a little equation. Who is greater than do? Who is greater than do? Who you are is greater to me than what you can do for me. And if we would each do that, oh my goodness, the, the, the lobby would be more full before service starts because we would say, man, I want to get there and get to know some faces and names. And, and, and after service, it would be full. We would get packed up out of here really fast because more people would say, hold on, I could take 15 minutes and help all, all these volunteers. We, everybody's a volunteer. What, what, what makes them worse than me? Why are they serving me and I'm not serving them? What's up with me? And, and what if we just got in that mindset where each person said, you know what? It, it, it's who overdue. It, it's, it's, it's who is greater than do. And so I value the who in you. I feel like a Dr. Seuss book. But here's the thing, it goes both ways. Because there's treasure valued in every single soul, you can actually reward yourself by seeking out the value that God placed in people all around you. There's a gold mine. There's a treasure trove of value inside of the human soul. And if you will condition yourself not to celebrate the treasure that God put in you, hey, look at me, hey, look at this, hey, look at what I can do, and stop being a circus clown. And start saying, you know what? I'm going to spend my life in, in seeking out the treasure that God put there. And somebody else might say, ah, they don't know. They don't even mess with them. You don't know them. No, no, no. You dive in and you say, no, no, no. I'm on a treasure hunt. Because it's who over 
do. It means that people have value inerrant in who they are. Like God designed people and designed us as a body. And if they're hurting, I'm hurting. And if they're celebrating, I'm celebrating with them. And we're one body. We're not just a family or a team or, or a nation. We're, we're one body. And so I'm going to care so much about that body that when I care about that body, two things happen. I am actually helping myself because the healthier the body is around me, the healthier I'll be. But also I'm on a treasure hunt. And so when I get to find something that is unique about you and joyful in you and Jesus in you, then I can celebrate that and say, I found a treasure. The treasure is in who, not do. I might not have been able to see what they can or can't do, but the treasure is in who. And the reality is I'm not going to look at somebody who's disabled and just say, well, their value dropped down because they can't contribute. That is an insane secular way to look at humanity. But if you look at humanity and you say, no, no, you're a soul that has a body. You're not a body that happens to have a soul. You're a soul that has a body. And I'm going to dig down and find out about you and love on you in such a way that says, who is greater than what you do? And the more I invest in you and the more that I love you and the more that I get to pour into you, then my life gets better. I get enriched. One, I find a treasure. Two, I find a friend. But three, the body of Christ grow stronger because you're loved the way that you were looking to be loved the whole time. And when we get around people that are like that, we can all march forward as the body of Christ into this world. And the world looks over and just say, what's up with those people? They really found the greatest gift. The greatest gift is love. 